0: Good morning. It's so good to see you. We welcome you to Providence Church. My name's Jacob. I'm one of the pastors here, and, and sincerely just so, so glad that each of, us, each of you would join us in worship today. I did want to let you know it may not be a, on your mind yet, but we want to bring before you over the next few weeks our times for Easter. Um, you'll see that we're adding two services on Saturday uh, afternoon, evening, 4 and 5.30. And then we'll have our three normal uh, Sunday morning services plus one on the end uh, at 12.15. So we're expecting lots and lots of folks uh, those t- couple of days and lots of guests. And you'll be hearing me and others uh, also make special invitations to you all over the next few weeks to uh, think about uh, and come to the Saturday services or the uh, our new 12.15 service, uh, which is... Uh, only on Easter. Uh, so But we'd love for you to come, uh, come on that day. So just wanted you to see those, know about those. Uh, we continue this morning in our 40 Days Until a Breakthrough series. We're studying the book of Mark, and we've only made it up to Mark chapter 2 this morning, so I'll have to get running here uh, in the next few weeks. But I want to read the scripture to you from Mark chapter 2. It'll be verses 1 through 12. And then at the end of this, I'll invite you to say, thanks be to God with me. So here, here is the scripture for today. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming, who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts and he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk? But I want you to know, that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. His friends dug a hole in the roof. (laughs) Did you hear it? I'm not sure he did. His friends dug a hole in the roof. I sometimes uh, wonder, you know, how did they decide which stories got into the Bible? You know, we have these four books—Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John—that tell us about the life and the story of Jesus. And the Bible tells us, actually, John uh, says that if they were to write down all the things that Jesus did, there wouldn't be enough books in the whole world uh, to to contain it. So I often wonder, like, how did they choose which stories? What was that like? What was the conversation like? And so I sort of picture whenever I hear this story, this being one of those that would rise to the top. This would be one of those first ones that you throw out, like, "Hey, we're putting together." a compilation of Jesus' stories, which one would you want? And somebody says, do you remember that time? Do you remember that time we were back in Capernaum? We were sitting in the house. Jesus was teaching. Do you remember what it was like when Jesus used to teach us? Do you remember his words? It was like nobody's words were like that. When Jesus taught, his words were like, it's like they were in the air. It's like you could see him, you could touch him. It's like you were being fed. It's like the spirit was doing all this. Do you remember what it was like and Jesus was teaching? And yet we heard this noise from above. And we look up, the the roof's being torn open. You can see the guys up there, they're hollering out. They put the guy right in front of Jesus. I, I I think that story had to rise to the top. And so it's like a privilege for us, right? To be able to hear and encounter this story where his friends dug a hole in the roof. If you're new to the Jesus story, welcome. It just got good, Matthew chapter two. The story is a man who's paralyzed, who lies on a mat out in the streets of Capernaum. The people know him because they pass by him. The mat is this thing that separates him from the street. He sits on it. He lays on it. He sleeps on it. He rests on it. He begs from it. He watches the world go by from the mat. Why am I so obsessed with the mat? If you read the story, you'll see the mat goes from the beginning to the very end. They keep talking about the mat. And then there are these friends who love their buddies so much That when they hear Jesus has come back to the town, they pick him up. And when they go to try to get uh, the man to Jesus, they find that the city streets are packed. Actually, Rachel and I were able to go to Capernaum. I share that with you to say it's a real place. It's a real story. Like the way that it's described in Mark chapter 2 is exactly how it looks. The streets of Capernaum are narrow. They're rocky streets. The homes are gathered together. They're bunched together. They're connected together. Families would have like a group of homes with a courtyard in the middle. And so uh, the paralyzed man's friend, they pick him up. They're carrying him down the street. But this time, Jesus has more of a following than he had before. It's like when you get the chance to see some great musician in Nashville with all the great musicians. You're at the coffee house. It's this intimate thing. But the next time he comes back to town, the Ryman is sold out three nights in a row. You can't get in. That's how Jesus coming back to Capernaum was, I imagine, because this time they can't even sniff the door. They have to maneuver through these crowded streets, but these guys know Capernaum, and so they know the house, so they can go up on the back of another house. Some crazy friends, like, let's bring them up here. They pull them up, and one of them, who knows which one it was, said, I know how to get through this roof. And they start, the scripture says, they start digging through the roof. Stuff's falling on Jesus' head and the disciples. It's a great commotion, and they lower their friend down, the paralyzed man, in front of Jesus. His friends dug a hole in the roof. I just wanted to ask you, like, what did it take for you to get here this morning? Was it easy? What did it take for you to get here? Some of you are like, I wrangled a four-year-old to get here. (laughs) Thank you very much. Some of you are like, I wrangled a 40-year-old to get here this morning. (laughs) Some of us, I've already seen them this morning, have children, parents who picked up their children and put them in the van and then in the parking lot on the top level, put her in a wheelchair and got in here barely, you know, for the second song. I know there are folks in our church who this week had chemotherapy who are barely able, I hope, to sit up right now and watch us on the live stream. What did it take for you to get here this morning? We're 40 days into the wilderness. Remember, I told you 40 days is how long? A long time. We're three weeks into this series, and so all I wanna give you this morning is a quick word to urge you to keep going, to persist, to pick somebody up, to be willing to go around the corner, to climb up on a house, to rip open a roof, to keep going. The wilderness requires this kind of persistence, Some of you have already noticed that I don't have any notes, any fill in the blanks on the notes, and and your whole world feels like it's spinning out of control, right? (laughs) I get it, right? I know you feel like you're on shaky ground. I don't know that we've ever done that. I just I don't really have any blanks to fill in this morning. I just, as your pastor, want to root you on. I want to urge you. I want to do something to help compel you to not stop moving. Whatever it is, you may feel like you couldn't couldn't hardly get off the floor this morning. And we want to urge you on in the spirit of Jesus, in the spirit of the one who's come for us to persist, to keep going. Last Saturday, my youngest daughter, Phoebe, got a bow and arrow for her birthday at a family birthday party. She loves Katniss Everdeen from Hunger Games. And uh, she has for months been imagining herself as a great archer. I've seen her out in the yard without a bow and arrow practicing. I've seen her climb the tree and shoot arrows from the top, and so she got this unexpected gift, this bow and arrow. And on Sunday afternoon last week, after church, we tried it out. We were over at my parents' house on their back porch, just having a, a great time in the sunshine, hanging out. And Phoebe standing on the edge of the porch, shooting this bow and arrow, but she doesn't know how to shoot a bow and arrow. She's better imaginary. And these arrows are going seven, eight feet and landing in the ground. My dad, my dad, her pop, he gets up to help her to show her the ways to do it. And I'm sitting back there thinking, my dad has no idea how to do a bow and arrow, like. <laughs> Suddenly, he's Chuck Norris, you know, and he can just, like, I don't know. He's like, you got to set it up here. I'm like, I've never in my whole life seen him work, work a bow and arrow, but this is awesome. And so it didn't get better. It just kept going, uh, just, like, just like it was. There was this moment where she got a hold of a good one. It went like 20 yards, and we all said, wow, oh, that was great, Phoebe. We cheered her on. And my mom, her Nana said, she said, I can't wait, Phoebe. I know just in a second you're going to send one over the fence, which is a total Nana thing to say, right? Grandparents say crazy stuff. You know, they don't have to take the kid home with dash dreams and all that. They just throw they just throw it out. They cook a bunch of food. Phoebe keeps shooting. She keeps shooting. Same thing. We start eating dinner. Phoebe keeps shooting and keeps shooting. Do you ever try something and you get a little bit better at first and then you get worse before you can get good again? That's what happened. Sometime after dinner, we saw Phoebe holding at that, that bow, and her arm was shaking. My dad got up again uh, to try to help her out, and they did something. He kind of like, tilted her body. I have a picture of kind of what it looked like. I don't know if this is good archery technique, but she tilted up like this, and she let the arrow go, and it went into orbit. It was like a no-doubter, and it flew. The fence is like 80 yards away and it flew over the fence and landed on the other side. And Phoebe, this is sort of her custom, with no smile, she turns to us and she says, did y'all see that? (laughs) We said, we saw it, we cheered, and I was exhausted. But she persisted. She didn't eat until it went over the fence. His friends dug a hole in the roof. His friends didn't give up. His friends persisted. And there are going to come moments where you are going to have to give. It's going to feel like it's going to take every resource inside of you to keep going. Notice what I'm not trying to say is that Jesus is playing a game with you. And you'll feel this way sometimes. Jesus is playing hide and seek. Jesus is playing hard to get. I'm never gonna be able to get to Jesus. No, it's not like that at all. Jesus has come to earth for you. But what I'm saying is when you are laying on a mat on the ground, it will feel like it's gonna take everything to get up. It's in that moment that you have to call your friends, the crazy ones, the ones who will pull roofs back, the ones who will believe you and you have to persist and keep going. When Jesus saw their faith, He said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. When he saw their faith, Jesus can see stuff we can't see. When he saw their faith, when he saw the roof coming off, when he saw those goovers looking down like, did we do it? When he saw their faith, he said to the man, son, your sins are forgiven. It's in that moment that we, we get clued in on something Jesus does all the time from here on out. He starts talking about things we didn't even realize we were supposed to be talking about. Everybody's there thinking maybe the man's legs who'd never work might work. Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. Some teachers of the law were sitting there like we might be thinking right now, thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit, remember, Jesus can see things, hear things we can't. He hears what they're thinking about in their hearts, that this is what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, why are you thinking these things, which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk? I don't know the answer to that question, which is easier, forgiving someone's sins or making someone walk who can't walk? They both sound hard to me. Jesus can do both. And we learn here that what we do with God sometimes, what we do in the world oftentimes, is we think everything has to be either or, either this or this, right? We, we, We have this kind of separate, we separate things out. What Jesus is saying is, I care about his broken body, and he does. Jesus cares that he was laying on the mat. Jesus cares that he had to beg. Jesus cares that there were friends who loved a friend so much they would carry them. He cares about that. He cares about his broken body, but he also cares about his broken spirit. Jesus is able to expose that thing that's going on inside. Because whenever there's a brokenness outside, there's a brokenness inside. And so Jesus speaks to the heart of it when he says, son, your sins are forgiven. What I want you to know, he says, that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus is not just healing a man. He's not just teaching the group. He's, He's opening up our eyes to what the Messiah is really all about. I have authority, he says, to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Jesus says, because I want you to know that I can forgive sins, go ahead, get up, and walk. Jesus is not a limited Savior. He cares about all of you. He cares about your legs that are hurting and about your sin that is unforgiven. Jesus is looking into all of us. Jesus embodies this on the cross when he conquers sin. And then when his broken, rejected, bruised body is resurrected. Jesus is the savior of sin and death. It's not either or. It's all with Jesus. And so he wants to speak to us a word Where we could understand that it's not just that thing that we could see, the thing that made it hard for us to get here. It's not just the thing that's causing us physical pain. Jesus cares about all of us. He cares about your broken body and He cares about your spirit. And so, what I'm getting at today is I want to root you on. I want to urge you to keep going. We are getting past what I might call the hopes and intentions stage. That's a great stage. I'm hoping I've got great intentions. We're three weeks into the wilderness, guys. We're three weeks in. We can't see the finish line. The door is blocked. And so there is this sort of grit and determination that is called upon for that one in the wilderness. I'm not not saying this is like pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Not at all. I'm, I'm wondering if we as the church could begin to access the power of a resurrected Savior. That there's no limitation in that. There's no limitation physically. There's no limitation spiritually. We are gonna to have to persist. We're gonna hear from the world all kinds of reasons why we won't be the ones that could do this, that could keep going. We talk about crazy stuff in here, don't we? And you get out in the world and you're like, you seriously think that you're, what, whatever, your marriage could be healed, that you're gonna make it to a year of sobriety, that you're gonna find restoration and healing after all that's come before? That's the kind of stuff we talk about. And so we come together and we say, yes, that's our story. We're not going to listen to what they're saying about us. We're going to keep going. When my middle daughter Lydia was in third grade, she told us that she wanted to play football. And so my wife Rachel called the football league for kids that age down at Charlie Daniels. It's flag football. But she called them and asked if a girl could play in the league. They said, yes, but there are no girls in the league. Lydia signed up. And A few games in, she was standing on the field, learning the game of football, where the line of scrimmage is, all that. She looked tentative. She's trying to figure it out. There was a kid on the other side kind of guarding her. And the coach says, from the other side, we both heard him. He says across the field to his player, the defensive player on Lydia, he said, hey, you're not gonna let a girl run past you, are you? After the game, we got in the car and Lydia said, did you hear what that coach said? I said, yeah, I heard what he said. I said, what are you gonna do? She said, I'm gonna get where I can run past every boy out there. She didn't do that her first season or her second season. But by her third season and her fourth season, I got a picture of her. I had to blur the kid out in the back because he might go to church here. You know, I don't want him to be (laughs) um, embarrassed. By the fourth season, Those dads were hoping my Lydia would take up a different sport. I don't mean to brag, but (laughs) she persisted. The voices she denied because she believed a better story for her life. They're sitting around thinking, which story do we put in? Somebody says, please, Put in the story of the paralyzed man. Because when I saw that, when I saw that, everything changed for me. I know it was crazy, the roof coming off, the commotion, all that. But that, for me, some disciples said, was the moment that I knew our Savior could do anything. We'd seen miraculous healings. And we saw many more but he called that man off the ground and healed him on the inside. That's what I needed. He persisted. And so this morning, no fill in the blanks, I just want to urge you on. I just want to root for you. I just want to remind you of our great story. That thing, I mean, this is a time, get up, take your mat, walk. I mean, it's Jesus language, like do it, go for it. You can, you have the power, right? You're here and you're like, I want to write. Okay, write. You know, I want to be a teacher. I want to teach. Okay, go for it. I want to cook. Be, get in the kitchen. Do something. Get up. Go for it. Take up your mat and walk. Notice that language, just a simple uh, nuance that Jesus says to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, walk, and go home. He doesn't say, leave your mat, which is, I know what I would have said. Hey, get up, leave your mat. And go, leave that stinking mat that was 300 yards down the road that you sat on, that you laid on, that you felt shame on, that you begged from. Leave that mat and get up and walk out of here, a superhero who's encountered Jesus. He doesn't say that. He says, get up and take your mat. Why do you think? I don't know. I wonder if when he walks out on the street, somebody is like, is that that dude who used to sit down there in Capernaum? And the other person says, yep, he's got the mat. Is that the guy? I heard the story of what happened in the house. I couldn't see it. Is that him? He's holding the mat. And he carries the evidence of his once broken body with him. He carries with him the evidence of the breakthrough out into the world. Jesus says, get up and take your mat. Isn't that interesting? Y'all hear me up, up here sometimes, and I'll, I'll tell you and share with you about a struggle I've had with anxiety for a long time. And sometimes, you know, people will ask me, like, Jacob, why do you always talk about your struggle with anxiety? You know what? Actually, no one has ever asked me that. That's what I ask myself. <laughs> Every time I share with you, I'll go, why are you talking about that all the time? Because it's my mat. It's my mat, you see, right? It's the evidence of my brokenness. I know that there have been times that I could not pull myself off the floor I am off the floor because of Jesus. That's it. No other reason. And so we carry with us these pieces, these fragments of things that were with us, not as something to hold us down, but as something that gives us great power. My wife Rachel and I, I've shared with you before, have lost two precious young men to us to suicide, broke our hearts, broke our family. Why do you talk about that, Jacob and Rachel? It's our mat. It's the evidence of our story. Have we experienced healing? Yeah, but we're still kind of carrying that in a a sense, even though we've experienced breakthrough. Now, as a pastor, I get to sit with families who are encountering the the devastating surprise and, and pain of suicide, and they can look in my eyes and see that I carry that mat. I don't want to put it down. I lose power when I put down the mat. I really feel like Jesus shows us that when he makes his breakthrough out of the grave and he goes and encounters his friends behind locked doors. He comes to them. Some of you know the story. And he's like, check out my hands. This is where the nails went through my hands. He's not some resurrected ghost. This is his body, his healed, restored body, but it still has the evidence of his brokenness. He goes, check this out, right? You only do this with your buddies. He's like, check this out. This is where the spear... Here's my side. And they marvel at the resurrection power that we have access to, that you have access to. And so I want to ask you this morning, three weeks in the wilderness, what's your mat? Begin to think about it. What is it that you are going to take up and carry with you? You know what it is, that thing that made it so hard for you to get here this morning. What is your mat? Jesus is, is going to speak to you and, and invite you to take that with you with resurrection power. Oh, thank you that we have a Savior like Jesus who comes to earth, who comes to where we are. Thank you that we have friends that will pick us up. You have people that will pick you up. This church will pick you up, right? We will do whatever it takes to get you uh, before Jesus. Open your heart to him this morning. Open your heart to that Savior. No limitations. Let us pray. God, we love you. We thank you uh, that they kept that story in. We thank you that you came to earth and you know that we need our sins forgiven and our, and our legs healed. So I pray for the people in the room who have that physical thing that's just so much a weight and a burden in their life. The person who has sin that they know uh, they need to come to you with. Those of us who have broken relationships that only you can heal. May today be for us a picking up our mat kind of day. As we come to the table, let the bread uh, show us Jesus' broken body. Let the cup show us his blood shed for us for our forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen.